All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor at Faith Church. I want to say what a privilege it is to have all of you here at our Florence location. Can we give it up, show some love for everybody in Lawrenceburg? Come on, it's good to have you guys in the house. We got a group of people meeting for the first time in Muscle Shoals High School as they get ready to launch in just a few weeks. Come on, let's welcome them. It's good to have you guys in the house. And all of our guests, VIPs, everybody else who's watching online, thank you so much for tuning in. Come on, we say it every week. We believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, if you'll open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. How many people believe that? Come on. Hey, listen, before we jump into the message, I would love it if all of our campuses, can we just jump back to our feet? I just want to, man, I just want us to pray together. I want us to take a minute. Let's lean into God's presence. I know this. I know life is hard. How many people can just echo that? Life is hard. Life is challenging. We face difficulties. We, we deal with things that sometimes are outside of our pay grade. We have problems that we don't have solutions to. We have sicknesses that doctors don't have, uh, don't have the medicine for. We have conflict that we're facing. And come on, we gather here as people of faith because we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. We believe we can turn to a God who loves us, who's for us, who's the solution to us. We believe that we pray and he hears us and we believe that he answers us. Come on, we serve a God of compassion and strength and power. Come on, people believe that. So I want us all over this room. Come on, if you have a need in your life, in your family, you got something going on in all of our locations in Lawrenceburg, in Shoals, come on, can we lift up our voice together? Come on, let's lift our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come. Father, we believe that you are a miracle worker. Father, we believe that you're a way maker, that God, you're able to do in our lives and through our lives, God, what we could never do for ourselves. Father, we believe that God, you're the solution to every struggle. God, you're the answer to every need. And so Father, we call out to you. God, just ask that your presence would come. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, wash over every person. I pray, Father God, where there is hopelessness, I pray, Father, that you'll restore hope. Father, where there is internal conflict, Father, where some people are restless and not sleeping well, I pray the peace of the Holy Spirit would just come upon you. I pray that strength would enter into your weariness. I pray that joy would come into your conflict. And Father, we just receive everything that we need from you. You're our heavenly father. Lord, we just put all of our hope and all of our trust in you. And Father, we receive right now every answer, every solution. We receive your kingdom coming into our needs. In Jesus' name, come on. Everybody who agree with that said amen. Come on, how many people know we serve a good God? Come on. God bless you guys, man. You can have a seat. Well, listen, we are in the last week of a series we started several weeks ago, a relationship series, relationship series for friendships, for dating relationships, for marriages, really for any relationships. And the title of this series, if you've not been here, is entitled Love, Fight, Win. Come on, let's say those three words together. Love, fight, win. What we've been saying through this series is that we need to love enough to fight. That we live in a cancel culture that just gives up too easy. We live in a divorce society where things go wrong. We walk away from relationships. We abandon our spouses. And I can't help but how the world is, but I think as people who have been saved by a relationship with Jesus, come on, that that relationship ought to pour into our relationships. And we ought to love enough to fight for the relationships that are valuable to us. We too, we talked about fight enough to win, that we need to keep on fighting and fighting and fighting. Don't tap out, don't give up, but keep on fighting until your relationship is whole where it needs to be. And today, as we wind this series up, I wanna talk about uh, what a win is. How do you define a win? What does it look like? to have a winning relationship? And I'm gonna answer that question all the way really at the end of this message, but let's just lean into this conversation together. And I hope, man, that God is working in you. 
What's unique is I've already received multiple messages. People have sent me lots of messages of uh, God putting things on your heart. Some of you have had strained relationships for years and God spoke in your heart. Some of you have made phone calls and sent text, text messages before you even got out to the parking lot because God's been working in your heart to reconcile that relationship. I've gotten messages where people said they're in counseling. So man, I'm encouraged by what God's doing in our relationships. But how many people know he's not done yet? God wants to do some great things in your life, in your relationships, in your heart and in your home. So I want us, man, just to believe God today as we finish off this series for God to do something in you. Well, listen, I was, uh, I was scrolling through Apple News. I'm a regular Apple News devourer. Kind of start my day like it's the Bible. It is the Bible. Just chill out. But at some point, I'll kind of scroll through the news, what's happening kind of on a geopolitical scale, what's happening in the community, what's happening, what's the update on our city logo. Like, I mean, I just got to lean into that conversation. <laughs> Too soon. Um, and I'll lean in, you know, just kind of what's happening, what's going on around the world. I think it's important. And as I was scrolling through Apple News a few days ago, I saw a story pop up. And the story was that this guy's on a plane and the plane takes off and some conflict goes down. There's something that happens. And, you know, it, it gives some of the details. But really, at the, at, towards the end of this story, what you find out is this guy who got on this plane with an intention to fly from one city to the next, he got an attitude and he had some issues and he had this thing go down. And because it went sideways, next thing he knows, he's laying on the middle of an aisle wrapped in duct tape with 110 pound stewardess on his back. Let me, let me just tell you, if that happens to you, it's a bad day. Like, I don't, I don't think when he woke up that morning that that's how he saw that going. And eventually he had to make an emergency landing and a federal agent escorted this guy off the plane. And I imagine things have gotten, went from bad to worse. Now, here's why I say that is because if, if you pay attention to a little bit of the news like I do, this is a really a reoccurring story. It's happening more and more and more. They call it air rage. Everybody say air rage. It's when people on airplanes kind of lose their mind. They get in conflict and fights break out and people have to intervene. Uh, air marshals show up and like it just goes bad. In fact, statistics say that air rage is on the increase. In the last year, it's increased 650%. And you'd say, what has changed in culture that now people getting on airplanes don't just sit down, buckle up, and get their Coke and their peanuts and get to the next city, but there are fights breaking out. There are all this chaos that's happening. People are getting escorted off planes. People are getting arrested when they step onto the tarmac. Like, why is this happening? And this, this is just my personal opinion. I think probably you could back some of this up. But there's two things that cause conflict, two things that cause conflict, proximity, proximity and differences. And... When you have, the reason I think that air rage is on the rise is because for the last, for some people, it's different for every city, but really for a lot of people, they have been sitting at home in their pajamas for the last year, working from home, and people are getting back outside. I know we're a little ahead of the curve here in the South, but for a lot of major cities, people are kind of putting on clothes for the first time, like pants that don't have stretchy elastic, and they're going back out into society, and they have forgotten how to behave, truthfully. And proximity is just an issue. When you put two people close together, you're potentially going to have some conflict. Not just, uh, not just proximity, but differences. Everybody has differences. And, and I, I don't want to go down this road. People still, this is a hot topic. So don't write me about this. I don't care about your opinion. That's not the point of the message. But when you have a person who gets on a plane who doesn't want to wear a mask and everybody else says, you have to wear a mask. If the policy of the airplane is you have to wear, if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask, walk. But if the policy of the airline is you have to wear a mask and you don't think you have to wear a mask because it's your personal right and the Constitution says you're going to be on the aisle in duct tape with a stewardess on your back. 
Y'all tracking me? So what's happened is, is, is people are back, they're in this metal tube with 200 people and they're used to sitting at home by themselves. So they're in proximity and they're, they're battling conflicts and, or battling differences. And so this conflict is breaking out. And the reason I talk about that is because your relationships are much the same way. Think about all the relationships when you look around you, especially, this is gonna lean kind of heavy on the marriage side, but if you're not in a marriage, you're not married yet, you wanna be married, you're just friends, whatever it is, this will still help you. But at the end of the day, when you get close to somebody, when you get in proximity with somebody, I'm just telling you there is always the potential for conflict. You move into a subdivision, you move next to a neighbor. How many people know that there are some neighbors that should live in the country, they should live in subdivisions? When you get close, you have conflict. When you go to the family, like you've not had a problem with that uncle for two years, but now you go to the family reunion and you remember why you hate him. Why? Because you're in proximity, you're close. Indifferences. I'm just telling you, you put two people with two different viewpoints, two different value systems, two different political agendas, whatever it is, and you put them in proximity together, proximity and differences, you're going to have conflict. Now, why that's important is because every relationship we're in has different, uh, different qualities, and you might look at one marriage and you might look at one home, one family, and they do, they do spirituality really well. Like they go to church as a family. You can tell like they really love Jesus as a family and kind of their relationship with Jesus is kind of, it's a key thing of who they are. And you might look at another family and maybe they don't do spirituality so well, but they kind of do quality time together. Like they're always traveling. They're always doing things as a tribe and as a group. You can see that in marriages. And so you can look from relationship to relationship, marriage to marriage, and you'll see different qualities pop up, some more, some more prevalent than others. But here's what I want you to hear as we jump into this message today, is conflict in relationship is universal. I don't care what the relationship is. I don't care who it's with. I don't care if you're married, if it's a bestie, if it's a homeboy. I don't care if it's your ride or die. I don't care if it's siblings. It, no matter what qualities you do or don't have, every single relationship, in this room, every single relationship in Lawrenceburg and Shoals, if you're in relationship, you will have conflict. Everybody say conflict. That doesn't even roll off the tongue well. Come on, pastor, you're supposed to tell us that we can just get along. And I'm just telling you, that's just not the case. Now, when I talk about proximity and relationships, just a key thought I want you to think about. If you're in relationship with somebody and you're experiencing conflict, space is a good thing. Give your partner, give your friend, give your spouse space. I think it's important that you're together. I think it's important you spend time together, but everybody needs somebody else to hang out with. You don't even have to agree with that. Just write it down because it's true. <laughs> it's just okay. You, just, you can't always be around that person because no matter how much you love them, they will eventually get on your nerves. Can somebody just help me today? Now, don't say amen about the person next to you. They will punch you. <laughs> Talking about the couple behind you. Everybody needs space. So proximity, everybody say Proximity. Indifferences, proximity and differences. So sometimes we need to make space in our relationships and differences. The time to realize your differences isn't when you're already married. You should use the dating space to figure out how alike and how different you are, how comparable your value system is because you wanna work through as many differences as you can. You wanna find somebody who really stands next to you, who really identifies with you, somebody who has the same value system as you because the more you can minimize differences in the dating, the less differences you'll have in marriage, which means the less conflict you'll have. I'm trying to help somebody. So conflict, conflict's universal. So just on the front end of this message, you want to know what does a winning relationship look like? And you thought, man, we fight, and so therefore we're not winning. We, we, have, we have issues in our marriage. We have issues in our home. And so, pastor, help us out. I'm just telling you, it's just normal. 
You're going to have conflict. What's not normal when it comes to conflict is if you have unhealthy severity or unhealthy regularity. When I say unhealthy regularity, I mean if you're fighting all the time, if you fight over everything, and I know some people go through phases like this. Unhealthy regularity just feels like, man, you're just always at each other's throats. Or unhealthy severity, you get into a fight and it just escalates, it goes to the next level, it gets toxic quick. So everybody has conflict, but if you're having unhealthy severity or unhealthy regularity, you need to get help quick. Call a counselor, call a friend, invite somebody in who can help you through that process. But when you talk about conflict, I want us to lean into a conversation James has. It's found in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And the, the, James is writing, and there's, there's a big context that, that's not really necessary for me to give. But he asks this question, and I want us just to lean into this question together. When, when you have a fight, when you have conflict with your spouse, when you have a falling out with your best friend, when you and one of your siblings, your brother, like you guys aren't getting along, what's the cause of that? Notice the, notice the question here. Watch this. Let's read this together. James chapter 4, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? So God's word is interested in this topic. God is interested in us having connection and relationship. He's interested in the topic of conflict. And so James steps in and he says, hey, hey, what's, what's causing quarrels and fights? Now, it's interesting he uses these two words, quarrels and fights. It's because quarrels are internal and emotional and fights are external and physical. Now, sometimes you know you're in a fight because it gets loud. Come on, somebody. And it gets heated. And sometimes you can be in a fight and you not even know it. Come on, husbands. Like your wife can be mad at you and you didn't even know it. You did anything wrong. Come on, y'all are a tough crowd today. <laughs> That's right, Pastor. Like, you can just have this quarrel where, like, you're not really arguing with each other on the external. Like, nobody's throwing blows at each other. But, like, there's just this internal chaos, and it just carries. You can feel it in the home. Your kids, I promise you, can sense it in the home. Like, when there's quarrels on the inside, it's just internal and emotional. It's just under the surface. And a lot of you, that's the conflict you have. And you're like, Pastor, we never fight. Well, that's not true. Everybody has conflict. It's just how are you expressing it? Is it just kind of under the water, but it's there? You still have conflict that you need to figure out what's the source of it and where is it coming from but some of us are on the other side and it's very external it gets very heated it gets very out loud it goes zero to a hundred in a second but he asks the question where does it come from now if I ask you that question just the answer to that question can cause quarrels and fights <laughs> hey what's what's causing the fight in your relationship now, if I was to ask you that one-on-one -on -one and you were honest, you probably, your response would sound something like this. Well, pastor, she is, he said, this is what they're doing. And we are so quick to point to the other person in the relationship, their weaknesses, their faults, and their struggles is causing the conflict in our relationship. And so the natural response to what is the conflict that's in the relationship in your life is to look across the table at the other person. But I want you to notice the rest of verse 1 says this. So what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Everybody, all locations, let's read this together. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within? Listen, I'm going to go home. This is all you can bring me. I, I came to bring it today. Let's read it together, more than three of us. Come on. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? What James is saying in this rhetorical answer is it's not them, it's you. It's not the other person, it's you. 
it's not what they're not doing right, it's you. Look at your spouse, your partner, your bestie and say, it's you. <laughs> now that just goes contrary because we see the weaknesses in everybody else. And James says, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pump the brake before you get too quick to point across the table. Realize that there's two in the relationship and possibly the source of the conflict that's breaking down your relationship and causing conflict in your home isn't who they are and what they are, they are, they're not doing. Maybe just possibly it's you. And he uses this phrase. He said, it's the evil desires that war within you which is kind of this crazy way of saying this, that, that all of us deal with these desires on the inside of us that battle one another. And this is a part of our entire spiritual journey, not just relationships. He says, there's things that you want, and when you want them, sometimes it creates this tension in relationship. Like you have these two kind of, di this dichotomous thing going on in your heart that's fighting with each other, and that's creating this stuff in you that's pouring into your relationship. Let me just give you outside relationships, two quick examples of these, these things that tangle on the inside of us. How many people have ever been in a restaurant, and you're getting bad service, and you want to say something, but you don't? Like, your glass has been empty since Jesus was here, the first time. And you're like, sweet Lord, can I just have a refill before he comes back a second time? Like, that's all. I just need some agua. I need something to wash this down. Help a brother out. And the, the more times they pass you, you start, maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm crazy. I start playing this relationship about what I'm going to say, and it's probably going to be passive aggressive. But then I'm like, I probably shouldn't say something. I love Jesus and everything. I don't want him to spit in my food. <laughs> I see you say, they don't do that. So you have this thing, should I say something? Should I not say something? What, come on, what it, what's going on is you have this war on the inside of you. You want something, but you're not sure how to express it. And it's kind of getting passive aggressive. Here's another one. Anybody here ever work out with a trainer before? Anybody here work out with a trainer before, Lawrenceburg? How many people work out with a trainer and you hire a trainer, you pay a trainer, or if trainer's there just to help you, and they're there to help you, they're on your side, they're for you, and they're just trying to help you get into shape, trying to help you look less fat, trying to help you to get in the sort you were in last year. Come on, let's just be real. And they're pushing you, and while they're pushing you, you think, I want to kill them. Well, there's this, there's this thing going on the inside of you. You recognize they're your friend. You recognize they're there to help you. But at the same time, you have this animosity towards them. You have these different feelings at war on the inside of you. This same thing happens in relationships. And the Bible says that we have evil desires at war within us. And what's going on within us is what's causing the conflict in the relationship. And let me just dive into what he's talking about. Other translations don't just say evil desires. Other translations say selfish desires, which means you want what you want your way on your time schedule, on your time frame, and when you don't get it, there's conflict. And what's interesting is for, for James to say that it's, it's an evil desire. And you might be sitting here saying, Pastor, like, I just want respect. I just want my spouse to notice me. I just want love. I just want, I just want a little romance in our marriage. Is that, pastor, is that wrong? You're telling me that's an evil desire? No, that's not an evil desire. What makes a desire evil is how you go about getting what you want and what price you pay to get it. And you know what makes it selfish? Let's just talk for it. You know what makes it selfish? If conflict comes from the desires you want that you're not getting, which we're going to see this in a second. Imagine this. If you got everything your way, 
when you wanted it, there wouldn't be any conflict. Isn't that true? Think about it. If everybody did everything the way you wanted it done, you would have no conflict. If everybody drove your speed, you would, there would never be road rage. If everybody drove the way I think they should drive, man, whoo, I would have revival in the car <laughs> instead of backsliding every time I drive. But let me just, listen, listen, how many people know that if everybody did everything the way you wanted to be done, there would be no conflict? Well, isn't that the definition of selfishness, you always wanting it done your way? Come on, I'm preaching. Y'all even help me today. He goes on. He says this. Watch. He answers this question. He says in James chapter uh, 4, verse 2, he says, you want what you don't have. So he says, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? What's, what's, what's the breakdown of the marriage? It's not them, it's you. And what's going on in you is that you have selfish desires. There's nothing wrong with having desires, but some of them are selfish. You're going about trying to get them in an unhealthy way. It's costing you in a significant way. And he says this. He says, he says ultimately, you want what you don't have. So for all of you in this room in relationship, I, here, I just want you to know this is going to happen. Eventually, you're going to feel upset, frustrated, disappointed, you're going to be aggravated by your spouse or your friend or your significant other. And when you feel annoyance, aggravation, disappointment, what is behind that is unmet expectations, which means you wanted something, you hoped something would happen, and it didn't happen when you, when you thought, how you thought. Therefore, you were left with this feeling, and what's behind it is unmet expectations. You want something from your friend, you want something from your spouse, and they didn't deliver. Everybody say unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Now, my wife and I, we've got a really great relationship, hardly ever fight. Uh, it's typically, you know, if it's a fight, it's, it's pretty short. I've learned to apologize quick. That's not even my notes. Some of you need to write that one down. <laughs> but there's one thing that we, we fight consistently about, like probably a lot of relationships. Like there's one thing, it kind of, you keep, kind of you got like one thing you keep coming back to. And here it is. So it's when my wife finds out I have information that I gave other people and I didn't give her. Which I got the down low on everybody. <laughs> and not that I'm out, God, but I mean, I just hear something. You hear so-and-so started a new business or you hear so-and-so went in the hospital and it aggravates my wife, especially if we're with another couple or another group of people and I'm telling somebody, hey, Lance, did you hear about us? And she's standing there and she'll look at me. She'll say, well, you didn't tell me. And she didn't say it like this, but that's what I picture in her mind. You didn't tell me. And she just gets really aggravated and upset because we keep going around this mountain over and over. We've been together forever. And I have disappointed her because she feels like if she's really as important to me as I say she is and as she should be, she should be in the, she should be in the communication loop. All my ladies, do you all agree with me? But I'll be honest. Sometimes I meant to tell her. And I thought I did until I realized I didn't tell her. We were having a con this, this true conversation. Husky household, I'm letting you a peek into view. So I'm having a conversation. We're having a conversation with our son. And uh, I, I, I don't want to give too much because it, it's kind of sticky here. But having a conversation. And my wife says, hey, we know that person's father. And he's kind of important. And I, and I told <laughs> my son, he knows this guy. And Shauna's like, hey, we know his dad. And, I was, and I'm in the other room. I'm actually in my office. We're having, anybody else have, have household conversations? Like you're having a conversation from room to room. And I said, he died two years ago. This person, he's, he's she said, well, you didn't tell me. 
I mean, two years is a long time ago. I might have. But she was aggravated that I didn't tell her this person passed away two years ago. I'm just telling you, all of us have unmet expectations. And when you want something from your friend, when you expect something from your spouse, when they're not delivering for you, when they're not the person you hope they should be, or you know they can be, when that doesn't happen, we have unmet expectations. And that's what creates the conflict in our relationship. But again, if we're not careful, we'll look at our spouse and say, it's not what they're doing for us. And James flips the script and says, it's not what they're not doing for you. Possibly it's because you have selfish or evil desires and you don't have what you want. And that's what's creating the conflict. Just maybe. See, the reason this gets uncomfortable is because we very much want the other person to change. And if they would just change we would have a good marriage. If they would just stop or start, we would be good. And James, and I'm not saying there's not room for improvement for your spouse, but James is saying before you write out a new job description for them, maybe we should just look in the mirror and say, what's going on underneath the surface and in your heart? Unmet expectations. Let's talk about unmet expectations. Um, and here's just a quick thought. How about we set a realistic bar for a realistic person? Sometimes what we want is just unrealistic, and the person we want to deliver it, the, what you want, I'm just telling you, what some of you want doesn't even exist. Some of you want a job that doesn't exist. I want this pay with these benefits and this much vacation. Good luck. And you hope I'm going to find this person, and they're going to, they're going to deliver this, and they're going to be all this to me, and they're going to provide this. And sometimes our bar, our expectations are so high we live in constant disappointment of our spouse and we live in constant conflict because they just never deliver. Two things when it comes to expectations. A lot of times women expect men to meet all of their emotional needs. And men expect women to meet all of their physical wants. Notice I said wants and not needs. I had to scrub that out several times. I kept going back and forth. Women expect men to meet all of their emotional needs. I'm just telling you, men, we cannot meet all of your emotional desires. You are wired way different than us. You are way, you are way more complex than us. We can't even figure you out. Figure out how to meet your emotional needs. We're not even sure what your emotional needs are sometimes. And I'm not saying that with any shade. I'm just saying women are incredibly complex in the way they think in the hormones, and just how you're wired. This is getting really uncomfortable. I like women are like, <laughs> I'm going to need extra security. And I can tell like some women are like, I hope you come out in the lobby and shake hands today. <laughs> and we marry somebody and we think they're just going to be my knight in shining armor. And if your expectation is they're, going to, they're always going to respond emotionally the same way you respond, they're not. They're always going to be there. You're always going to be the center of attention. You're just not. And if you live with those expectations, they're consistently going to be unmet, and you're going to consistently live in conflict. And flip side, men, let me just get on your train for a minute. If you think that women are always going to meet your physical wants, newsflash, get married. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else had this thought, like, oh, I can get married and have all the sex I want. That didn't work out. <laughs> Can we just be real? Lawrence Berger, y'all helping me up there. Can... 
Y'all can't even imagine. When I talk, like, there's like 500 things going through my line. I'm like, don't say that. Don't say it. You can't say that. Too late. You already said that. <laughs> but we have, ex everybody say expectations. What you want from your partner, the problem isn't that you want it sometimes. The problem is, again, these expectations are so challenging. It's, it's what you're willing to do to get those things and what it's costing you that sometimes is causing the conflict. So let me give you a couple thoughts real quick on expectations. I'm going too slow. If you're writing these down, it's number one, expectations unsaid will usually go unmet. Expectations unsaid will usually go unmet. Newsflash, men are not mind readers. Women, if you want something, tell us. My wife, this is, this, this is just something really small, but this, oh, Lord, thank you, baby. You help me here. I have no idea what to get her for Christmas. I have no idea what she wants. You say, I, I, I've been with her so long. I have. I, in my mind, I've bought her all that she needs, but apparently there's some stuff she still needs, and I just don't know what it is. And so if I, if I go buy something, I'll spend three hours wandering through them all, and I was like, that looks good, and, I was, and she's just going to take it back anyways. Well, I'm too busy, and she's too busy, so baby just sends me. She'll just send me a picture on Instagram. And I'll just walk in and say, I need that. Where's that at? And I wrap it up and take it to her. Sometimes she'll go buy it herself and put my name on under the tree and be like, look what you got me. Whoo, man, I, just, just, just tell me what you want. Just tell me. We're not mind readers. Just tell me what you want. Communicate what you want in the bedroom. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you hope happens. Tell me where your needs are not being met. And that's hard because we get mad because we think they should figure it out. That's where it gets selfish is we get mad at them because they don't know. We think they should know, but they don't know. And so those, those, that tension of wanting and hoping something that should happen that's not happening, that's what's creating the conflict in you and ultimately in the relationship. So you got to talk about what you want. Number two, expectations sometimes need to be examined. Sometimes you need to look at what you want and just reevaluate it. Sometimes the bar is just too high. Sometimes you need to compromise. Now, again, the reason this conversation is hard is we live in such an unhealthy, relational, toxic culture that probably many of you are like, Pastor, but the bar is already so low. Then you're with the wrong person. I'm talking about everyday couples and everyday relationships where sometimes you just need to just I'm just going to back that down a notch. The prophet Michael Bolton, you know what he said? <laughs> he said, how can we be lovers if we can't be friends? How can we start over if the fighting never ends? How can we make love if we can't make amends? How can we be lovers if we can't be, can't be friends? He's saying like, how can you expect, how can you ever expect to have any peace if you're always fighting? How can you ever expect to have a high if you're always living in the low? He's saying at some point, he's not a prophet, by the way. Some of you like looking in your Bible like, I'm new to this whole Jesus thing. Is that, where is that at? Is that after Psalms? Where is he at? It's a song. It's a good chance I was off key. So I get paid to preach and not to lead worship. Anyways, 
right? I mean, he's saying at the end of the day, if you're always in conflict, you're never going to have peace. So what do you do with the conflict? You can't consistently ride the conflict and be disappointed in your relationship because you will inevitably tap out. The goal is to look at what you want, look at how you're going about getting it, and maybe reevaluate. I think the best thing we can do is just kind of just reevaluate. Just, do, I just need to lead, do I just need to change the bar? Number three, expectations are fulfilled by effort. It takes work. Everybody shout work. It takes work to make a relationship work. If you're coasting, you ain't doing it right. If you're not putting forth effort, you're not doing it right. Some of you put all the work in getting them, and you're not putting any work in keeping them. Oh. And it just takes some work. And probably the best thing I can tell you when it comes to expectations between you and your spouse is I think if we consistently strive to meet their bar and sometimes compromise to lower our bar and they'll do the same thing for us, that's where we, that's where we'll survive and that's where we'll thrive. But grace fills the gap. Everybody say grace fills the gap. That means when, when, when your husband disappoints you, when they don't come through, when they don't do what you think they should do. N- newsflash, the person you're dating, the person you're married to, the, your significant other is a human just like you. They make mistakes just like you. They're a sinner just like you and they need grace just like you. Grace fills the gap. He goes on, he says this, watch this. The rest of verse two, he says, he says, you want what you don't have. This is where it gets crazy. He says, so what do you do? You scheme and kill to get it. Some of you, because you have conflict in your marriage and because it's not working out the way you think, you're killing your marriage to get it. You're destroying your relationship. You've become so disappointed and so disenfranchised by your spouse and them letting you down. You've just gotten toxic. And this is what James is saying. It's, It's not that they're not disappointing you. That happens. It's not that they're not letting you down. It's not that some of your desires are unhealthy. And again, where it gets selfish and where it gets evil is what are you willing to do to get it and what is it costing you? Again, just I don't want to make this a geopolitical conversation, but we're all tracking. Hopefully, y'all are paying attention. There could be a war. Newsflash, get right with Jesus quick. Just plug. Russia in America, it's about to go down. This conversation that James is having applies to Putin and Biden the same way it applies to you and your spouse. What's causing that? It's because Putin wants something. And other people are saying, I'm not going to give it to you. And at some point, there potentially can be a war, just like in your home. And here's the question. Here's what Putin and Biden need to ask. Here's what you need to ask about your spouse. Is, is what I want worth the price I'm about to pay? Is the submission worth the struggle? And, and what I'm fighting for when I get it, do I look back and say, that was a smart fight? See, a lot of us aren't, we're, we're, we're not fighting very smart. We're fighting for things when we get it. It's like, well, I I got it, but we don't love each other anymore. We're no longer married. So at some point, he's like, hey, just just pull back. He goes on, he says this. He says in James 4, 2, he says, you are jealous. Let's read this together. He says, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Now, now, here's a question I got to dig into is where did your bar come from? Where did your expectations, if, if, if conflict comes from unmet expectations, where did your expectations come from? Where you thought this is what marriage should look like. 
did it come, like, I know y'all will never say this, but I would venture to say the amount of, of media we consume that most of our standards and our bars and our expectations of what relationships and marriages should look like have come from television and romance and novels and social media and newsflash, that's not real. Like, you know, I saw, uh, <laughs> this is, this is going to date me a little bit. It's the older crowd. Anybody remember the dude Fabian? He's on all the romance novels. Dude was buff and long hair. Have you seen him lately? Dude rolled up in my feed. He looks bad. <laughs> if you don't know who he is, Google him, don't. I don't know. If you do and it turns out bad, I didn't tell you to do it. Whatever. Anyways. But he's like this buff. I mean, he's big. He's handsome back in the day. He was like, at least in that time, he's kind of every woman's model. And our thought was like, you know, like our husband should just roll around the house with the shirt unbuttoned right about here. He's always got a clean chest and he's well taken care of and he's got, a, he's got an accent and always sweeping us off of our feet and always worried about our emotional needs and our physical needs in the bedroom. And then you look at who you're married to. He ain't shaved in a week. He's got chest hair coming out, balding on the top. He's like, this is disappointing. And we watch The Bachelor, get all our girlfriends together. And we think that's, that's not real. That's television. There are directors and producers behind the camera saying, do this, say this. I don't have a director or producer in the back of my life saying what to do and what to say, which is why I make mistakes. Come on, what I'm telling you is some of us, what we want and what we're fighting for isn't really real. We're jealous of something that's not real. We're looking at social media and we're like, look, they always travel. How come you never take me anywhere? Look, they're happy in every picture. How come we're not happy in any pictures? Do you know why we're happy in our pictures? Because we took 37 and if I took 38, we wouldn't be married right now. Number 38 is me like, ah, no, I don't want to take. And so we get one like, and we're like, oh, look, Pastor and Sean will love each other. Those pictures aren't real. I couldn't tell you the last time we posted the first picture we took. Is anybody with me today? So I'm telling you what we're jealous for in real. The bar we set sometimes is too high. And when it's too high and our, our spouse and our significant other, they fall on the bar, we get mad at them. And we keep fighting and we keep pushing and we keep arguing, we keep quarreling and we keep, and James is like, whoa. The more disappointed you get, the more fingers you point. He said, maybe the solution is not to have expectations, but to pull back and manage your expectations and manage how you're expressing them. And if you'll both do that in your relationship, maybe, just maybe, things can get healthy. He goes on, he says this. He says, uh, verse 2, he says, yet you don't have what you want. This gets real, by the way. Some of you are like, I thought we were here to talk about Jesus. He gets there right, right here, watch. He says, yet you don't have what you want. Everybody here read this, Lawrenceburg, read it. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Here's the Here's the solution. For all you people of faith, all you Jesus lovers, all you people who say you follow God, have you invited God in the process of your relationship? Or are you just trying to duke it out with your spouse? If God's not the center, you're in trouble. If Jesus doesn't have a part to play, it'll never work out. That's a fact. And so when you're not getting what you want, the best thing to do is go to God and say, God, help me. Now, I'm just gonna tell you what's gonna happen. Newsflash before you get in prayer. You're going to go pray that God will change your spouse. What I have found is God is far less interested in changing the circumstances of our life when we pray. God doesn't always change and answer prayer. God changes the prayer. 
God doesn't answer the prayer. God changes the prayer. So if you get in there, God might start pointing to some selfish, evil desires in you. And he's like, hey, did you see how you handled that? Did you see how? It's just, but at some point, man, if we really believe what we say, believe, like, let's lean in. God, will you help me? Will you heal my marriage, Lord? Will you give me patience for my husband, Lord? Will you, will you help me communicate what I need for my spouse? Lord, will you help me? And he says this, verse 3. He goes on, he says, and even when you ask, he says, even when you do ask God, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. And you only want, you only want what will give you pleasure. He says, again, he dials it back down. He says, even when you pray about some of the stuff that you want, he says, you're gonna find out that it's just what you want. And if you get what you want, is it really what's best for the relationship? So he goes full circle. It's, it's really what's in you that's a mess deal with that, get God involved. But sometimes you're just going to come back and just realize, Lord, maybe the change needs to be in me and not them. So if you're taking notes, what's a winning relationship? What does it look like to win in relationships? A winning relationship isn't one without conflict, but one with, I should say with, one with compromise. If you're looking at your marriage and your home, you're like, man, we fight and we struggle. We don't have a winning relationship. A winning relationship, you're going to have conflict proximity and differences, you will have conflict. Unmet expectations, you will have conflict. A winning relationship is one with compromise. You're willing to work through the issues so you can have a healthy marriage, so you can stay married, so you can win, so you can be happy. And I'll close with where we started. God's the one who designed relationships. It's his idea. You can only win if you do it his way. And he says right here, my way is working in you before you worry about what's in your partner. And so how many people would just be honest enough, Lawrence Burke, Souls, just honest enough to say that maybe, just maybe, and this might be hard for you to raise a hand, but I'm gonna ask you to, that maybe what's happening in your relationship, your marriage, your conflict with your sibling, your spouse, you're just honest enough to recognize it could be me. Just lift a hand. It just could be. Spouse is like, go get it up. Father, we come in the name of Jesus, Lord, just ask that you will help us to lay our hearts bare before you. God, sometimes we get so driven by our disappointment. We get so overwhelmed with our frustration. that God, we just play the blame game. But Lord, I pray help us to just take a minute in your presence and just show us, Lord, where our own expectations, our own behavior in our relationships have gotten toxic and unhealthy. Holy Spirit, I know that we want you to do a work in them, but Lord, we ask today that you'll do work in us. I pray, Lord, help us to walk in this great idea that grace fills the gaps because, Lord, that's what you did for us. Heal marriages, restore homes. I pray, Father God, where siblings are divided, where there's division in families. I pray some of you who've canceled friends and walked away from, from significant others, I pray the Holy Spirit would give you the grace to go back and to repair that breach, to restore that relationship that God wanted you to have because it was a win for you. And so Holy Spirit, help us in all of our relationships in Jesus' name. Listen, before we go, I say grace fills the gap. Grace doesn't just fill the gap this way. Grace fills the gap this way. If you've never given your life to Jesus, we all need a savior because we're all sinners. We all mess up. We all fall short. We all miss the mark. Every single one of us is separated from a God who loves us because of our sin. But because God loves us, he sent his son 
on a rescue mission to die on the cross to pay the price for our sin. It's like Jesus said, I'll take your trouble, I'll carry your sin, and I'll give you the gift of grace. And all we have to do is believe for it. So if you're watching this, listening to this, if you're at any of our location, you've never given your life to Jesus, or you did at one time, but man, you've walked away, you've turned your back on God. Today's a great day to come home to the Father. So if that's you, I just want to lead in a really simple prayer. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to rededicate your heart to the Lord, you need to say, Father, I believe you love me so much that even in my sin, even in my struggle, you sent your son Jesus to save me. I put all my hope in you. Forgive me. Come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen.